Right now, I just need you to get real loose. Get comfortable. Grab your loved ones or grab your love partner. And if you're by yourself, no worries. Just follow after me. Yeah. Gonna do the two step, then cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now and dip with it. Gonna throw down, take a sip with it. And lean back, put your hips in it. Let's have some fun. Hello, hello, hello. It has been a while. This is the Horizon Roundtable podcast, which has been taken over by Norse Report. I am Kyle Craven. I am the co-owner of NorseReport.com, also a contributor to Horizon Roundtable podcast, and I am on this show today bringing you my breakdown of the Horizon League tournament. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm doing great. Um, I just wanted to kind of give you a brief background on what brings me to the show today. Uh, what sort of why I have the privilege of recording a solo episode specifically about the Horizon League tournament. Um, earlier this year, uh, we made the decision uh, to partner, uh, North Support that is, made the decision to partner with Horizon Roundtable. Bob McDonald, uh, Matt Dudek both reached out. They really wanted to get involved with Norse Report. Of course, we wanted to be involved as well. Uh, we really value what this brand is bringing to the conference, to the fan bases of each school. Um, and also, we saw it as a really good opportunity to strengthen our fan base as well. That said, uh, with the tournament this year, the Horizon League tournament being in Indy for the Final Four, um, it really just made sense. I was going to be there anyway, uh, as, as it's only about an hour and 15 to 30 minutes from where I live, um, right here in southeastern Indiana, about 40 minutes west of uh, Northern Kentucky University. Uh, it made sense. I was going to be there already, and we were going to apply for credentials. And, um, you know, once it became clear that NKU was most likely going to make it to the Final Four, we decided, or I decided, to go ahead and cover the Horizon League tournament as credentialed media. So that meant um, I wasn't allowed to cheer, which was weird. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode. Um, I wasn't allowed to wear anything NKU. Um, of course, I will admit that I cheated that on the last day. Uh, I wore North Report underneath my neutral clothing. And then once we won the game, um, I made my way to the court with that Norse Report shirt on, so uh, shh, don't tell Bob or uh, anybody else. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. I'm going to go into detail on that a little bit after I break down the games. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the background on, on what got us involved with the Horizon League tournament from a media perspective. Um, you know, it's not that Norse Report got, got credentialed. It was more so that the Horizon Roundtable did. Um, and for good reason. I mean, they we do we do some really good stuff um, on this website. And honestly, it's good to see that the league is recognizing sort of what we're bringing to the table. Um, hopefully that increases next year. Currently we have uh, a few different writers on staff. Um, you have Bob McDonald and Jimmy Lemke, who are the co-creators of Horizon Roundtable. 
Um, they uh, Bob comes from Cleveland's a Cleveland State background. He was a you know fan student there. Jimmy um, owns and runs Panther U on Twitter, and uh, you know has comes from sort of the Milwaukee background. Um, also, he hasn't been super involved with Horizon Roundtable this year. So I know that uh, Matt Dudek, who is formerly known as OU Basketball Guy on Twitter, um, he comes from Oakland from Oakland University, and he uh, is sort of like Bob's right hand man this year. Um, with Jimmy sort of being uh, not as involved um, or not as hands on, I should say. Uh, so Matt has kind of presented himself this year as more neutral. He's now Horizon Matt, which is great. Um, I also know that there's probably something a little personal there. He kind of got into it with some OU fans this year because Matt doesn't like to pull any punches, and uh, that can upset people, but it sometimes needs to be said. Um, Not to get off track here, John uh, Parker writes for the Horizon Roundtable as well. He is pretty much a jack of all trades. He'll write about just about anything um, league-wide. He does come from a Milwaukee background, but uh, did not really necessarily want to focus in on Milwaukee specifically. Um, He decided to kind of cover the league. He also releases the power rankings every week, which we've disagreed with quite a bit here at Norse Report, Um, and for good reason. We'll get into that later. But uh, no, I'm I'm just giving you a hard time, John, if you're out there listening. Um, and then finally, rounding out the writer side, you have Mark Weems, who covers uh, Youngstown State more specifically, and then myself, um, who has been covering Nor- uh, Northern Kentucky. Uh, we also briefly had Chris Hart on board. He's the co-owner of North Report with me. Um, he had agreed to cover UIC, but you know things just got a little too crazy for us here at North Report. Um, we couldn't really spare the the staff, unfortunately. Hoping that next year we can provide a little bit more insight um, than we did this year, uh, specifically for Northern Kentucky, but then also maybe we can branch out if we're not able to find, you know, maybe a right state writer or a UIC writer or someone along those lines. Maybe we can reach out and do something like that. Another thing that we've talked about is sort of branching out and possibly, possibly uh, maybe expanding coverage a little bit into the women's side of, of things, but um, that's more of a big time discussion. Kind of putting Bob on the spot here by even mentioning it, mentioning mentioning it on this episode. Um, but anyway, that's a little bit of background of sort of what got us involved. But um, on today's show, I really just want to talk about sort of the recap of the tournament from the game side. Um, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. Most of us probably watched the games. Um, it's been a while since those games went on. I'm recording this right now, uh, technically at midnight on Sunday night, Sunday March 15th. Um, so the games have been over. They, they took place March 9th and 10th. So they've been over for quite a while. I'm just now getting to be able to record. It's been a crazy week with the outbreak of coronavirus pretty much shutting down the country. Uh, and not really just the country, but the world in terms of sports especially. Um, but also just everything else as well, mass gatherings in general. So, um, yeah, we're going to break down those games, talk a little bit about the Wright State UIC game, uh, then we'll move into the NKU and Green Bay game, and then finally the the championship game, uh, NKU versus UIC. I'll talk about sort of some fan-sided type, th- type things, things that I saw, things that I experienced, 
Um, and then I really want to kind of move into more from a fan perspective what the experience was like. Obviously, I was there as media, but I definitely took it all in as a fan as well. I went to the women's game for NKU in Green Bay, so I got to see what sort of the fan side looked like there. But then also, uh, but then also I spent a lot of time up in the stands as well. Um, even though I was sitting on press row, I definitely did venture my way out into the stands to try to talk to people. Uh, went over to the student section um, at point at various points in time and talked to people as well, uh, and just kind of got some idea of like what they were thinking. And of course, I am very plugged in with the Norse Nation fans as well, so um, I, I have some background and insights on kind of what they were looking at uh, from a fan side. Um, and then also, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about sort of my experience, like. Object, you know, subjectively pulling myself away from the fan side um, of things and looking more into it just like this is what it was like for me. Um, I have a few stories for you guys, uh, just some experiences personally that I did, that I that I saw and went through. Um, if you're interested, we'll see. <laughs> and then uh, finally, um, yeah, finally I want to just go into an outro and uh, talk about kind of wrap everything up um, as the season has ended and really the tournament um, and just give sort of like my high level closing thoughts on the tournament, the season, um, where we go from here and things of that nature. So with that being said, um, let's move into our day one recap. So we had a crazy, 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 crazy Monday. Um, my day personally started off with waking up, um, going to breakfast, going to the gym, uh, make, getting back, taking a shower, getting dressed, getting to the arena by 2.30 in all NKU stuff to witness um, probably the best women's basketball game of the season uh, that I saw with my own two eyes. So full disclosure, I was a season ticket holder for NKU women's basketball. I went to 13 of their 15 regular season home games. I also drove to Wright State um, and watched them play there. Uh, and then I also saw them play twice in the Horizon League tournament as they hosted two games, uh, Detroit and then uh, Milwaukee. So 16 times I saw this team play. This Monday would have been their set was gonna was their 17th game that I was in person watching them play, and it was the craziest one. Back and forth, uh, but not. I mean, well, I say back and forth. It really wasn't back and forth. It was. Green Bay was in the driver's seat for most of the game by about a possession or two every time. I mean, really, they would score and go up two possessions. We might score and break it down or cut it back to one, but we never really got within striking distance. You didn't see a lot of lead change or anything like that until the end of the game. Um, NKU found themselves down 10 with, like, I don't know, four minutes left to play or something. And then we went on a 11-0 run to take the lead. And then the, then Green Bay scored. And then we turned around without Ali Nice on the court, who is probably by far our best player. Um, she wasn't even on the court. Our freshman, uh, all-freshman team player, Ivy Turner, get, got the ball, scored a just very difficult basket, driving all the way to the hoop and just basically saying this is my basket to score um, with I think it was six seconds left in the game and for those of you who don't watch the women's game Green Bay had a timeout left with six seconds left down by one we're currently on a 13 to two run uh, with a one-point lead 
and they call the timeout. And for the again, for those of you who don't watch the women's game very often, or at all, <laughs> even, they uh, in the women's game there's it's four quarters, ten minute quarters, but the timeouts in the fourth quarter you can advance the ball to half court just like in the NBA. So I'm sitting there freaking out because I know I know that I know that rule right. So Green Bay calls their timeout in a normal men's game. You're looking at it and you're saying, okay, they got six seconds to go the length of the court. They're going to get a, maybe a shot. You should be able to slow them down, keep them in front of you. There's no way they can get to the basket. Maybe they do, but like, as a, as a fan on the, on the of the team with the lead on defense, with six seconds left to go the full length of the court in the Horizon League, you're like, okay, this is no big deal. Flip that on its head, though, for women's. Because in women's in the women's game, you give a team six seconds at half court on an inbound, that's a whole different ball game. That to me, that's advantage offense. So they drew up this play. We had one foul to give. We didn't foul them. Um, I'm not really sure why or what happened there, but it was so devastating to watch. They got the ball into Frankie Wirtz, who's their all conference player. She did not win player of the year, but she was on the all conference first team, is a perennial first teamer. Macy Williams notwithstanding this girl would have been a top three candidate easily for player of the year um she got the ball below the free throw line really below around the restricted area on the baseline but like kind of more short corner um 15 foot range uh maybe around like the second hash of the free throw line area like parallel but then you know obviously 15 feet out she made a quick took one dribble made a quick hesitation like spin like fake spin move back to the middle Kaylee Coffey who's probably our best overall defender really probably one of our better overall players just always consistent she bit on the spin gave up the baseline and we saw a reverse layup go in to end our season so that was brutal and I had to come overcome that that was emotional it was draining it just devastated me and I had to rather than Stay, stick around and give condolences out to the players, coaches, people who I've become really close with. I had to run home back to my Airbnb and very, very quickly change into um, neutral clothing because I was going to be covering the men's game uh, at seven, but the gates opened at, f- at you know five. And here I was with 2.30 tip, game's over at 4.30. You can do the math. I was in a rush, so I couldn't stick around. I had to run and go apologize or go change and everything. And uh, yeah, just that whole experience in and of itself. I'll talk about it a little later more in detail, but that was crazy. Like having to remove myself emotionally from a very emotional situation for me. Um, that was tough. But anyway, on to the next game. Um, I got back to the game, to the arena, um, and we I witnessed Wright State play UIC and you know I I watched that game uh the game that UIC beat Wright State I watched it it was on a Sunday it was the same same day NKU beat IUPUI on the road um having come off the the UIC win where we went on a 30-0 run um and UIC beat them and Jordan Blount was a big part of that in that in that game but in this game it was a little different um there's really I'm you know Watching the game, it just felt like I don't even know how to explain it. It really, USC shot forty-eight percent from the field. Um, most of those coming 
inside, really. They had 29 made field goals. Only four of them were from three. They were actually 25% from three, which is exactly what Wright State was as well. Um, Fouls, Wright State won that battle. Uh, Wright State got 23 fouls. I'm sorry, UIC fouled Wright State 23 times, right? Uh, Yeah, UIC committed 23 fouls while Wright State committed 13, um, which then led to 15 free throw attempts for UIC, 29 for Wright State. But here's a big difference. UIC shot 11 of 15. Wright State shot 15 of 29 from the free throw line. So Wright State left 14 points at the free throw line, lost by 17. So that's a big deal. Um, Even if Wright State shoots a decent percentage there, they, they cut that lead down by you know, from 17 to like eight, maybe something like that. Uh, Wright State's overall shooting percentage was 28.3%. Tarkus Ferguson had 25 points. The steals, Wright State won the steals battle eight to four. They also won the turnovers battle. Uh, They only had 10 turnovers, whereas UIC had 16. So it's like looking at the game, it really makes no rhyme or reason why Wright State won or lost so bad. Um, you look at the box score and you see that, you know, Loudon Love only had three fouls, um, whereas Jordan Blount had four. And actually, I noticed he was on the bench quite a bit. And really, he only had two field goals. In fact, Jordan Blount only played five minutes that game. So he was not what everyone thought coming into the season or when he got cleared to play. Everyone thought maybe Jordan Blount, is he the Loudon Love stopper? I mean, I thought the same thing. And he played five minutes in a semifinal game. So, you know, I have no clue uh, what it was that kind of mitigated the right state attack, um, but it did. And I think the one thing that can be chalked up here that I can that I could kind of make sense of was you got right state who has Cole Gentry, Bill Wampler, and Loudon Love. Those are kind of their big stars. Then they got like Tanner Holden and a couple other good role players as well. But really, you look at their roster. They got Bill Wampler, who's like a 6'3", 6'4", guard. Um, Cole Gentry, who's a very, very small point guard. And then Loudon Love, who's this big, burly beast, right? They have a lot of really good players that play positions and um, you know are pretty much set game plan pieces if that makes any kind of sense they don't have a lot of like crazy freak athletes that are just going to go out and like do something nuts like even nku's got dantes walton and jalen tate who you can't really box into like a category as a player um uic has some of that too uh specifically with tarkus ferguson he's one of those like volatile just like crazy guys that can go off out of nowhere and that's kind of like what I looked at and saw out of Wright State this year as one thing that might hurt them is they're such a they were such a well-oiled machine as a team but they didn't have a takeover guy they didn't have a guy besides Loud and Love of course but in a game like this where Loud and Love gets kind of you know mitigated how do they win and you saw that they really weren't able to Loud and Love was never able to get going uh, he only had, let me take a look here. He only had six points, uh, two of seven from the line, from the free throw line, two of six from the field, played 26 minutes. So he played a ton. Um, they just ran a lot of help at him and really bothered him quite a bit. Uh, he wasn't able to, you know, like when I saw him at, uh, at, when he came, when Wright State came to NKU the last game of the season and they won the regular season title on our court, 
Loudon Love had like 16 of their first, he had, he had like their first 13 points or something. Um, he went off against us. And it's because he was just establishing position, walking straight down to the block, turning around, getting the ball, and just putting it down our throats. And he wasn't able to do that in this game. And I thought that that was a huge difference. Um, another thing was, you know, right state, uh, say it for what it is. Maybe you don't believe in curses. I know I don't, but I'm starting to. They had that one seed curse. Nobody has won the tournament as a one seed since I believe. I think this is now the fifth consecutive year that we have not seen a one that we've seen the one seed not win the tournament. So, look, everyone can brag about the uh, regular season titles. If you're asking me, I love winning a regular season title. Don't get me wrong. When we won it two years ago now greatest it was amazing like it was such an accomplishment on that year we had we went 26 and i think it was uh, i'm trying to remember now i think it was 26 and 5 and then 15 and 3 on the year like that's crazy it's an awesome awesome season but guess what we lost in the first round of the horizon league tournament to cleveland state and we were in the nit and it's probably that's probably the best team nku's had top to bottom in the four in the four year span that we've been tournament eligible, and it's the one year we didn't make the tournament, and it's probably the most forgettable year because of that. So, um, yeah, say it for what it is. Uh, NKU's got three Horizon League tournament uh, victories um, in the last few years, uh, four years, I should say, and only one outright Horizon League tur- Horizon League regular season championship, and then obviously a split one last year. So if you're asking me, I will take the tournament championship every single time because it comes with an automatic tournament bid. That said, uh, I did want to tell a quick story about an experience that I had. So last year I tweeted out my top 10 of the Horizon League from a talent perspective, and I definitely included Billy Wampler in the top 10. I think it was maybe 10th exactly, or it was closer to the bottom. And I sort of was doing a small, it was, it was just Twitter. It was before I was writing blogs in long form and stuff. And so I did a quick, you know, whatever, 240 character, however many characters we get, 280, um, reason for why I picked Bill. And my reason for him was obviously, I mean, he's pretty solid defender, really good shooter score, but he's also got a great story and I very much admire his story on depression. Um, his battle, his, how it's, how he's turned it into an outward battle and it's, you know, hopefully inspired people within that fan base. Um, and so I tweeted about that. And after the season last year, he actually DM me my own tweet. And this was like two weeks after I tweeted it even, and he just thanked me for tweeting that. And I thought that was really cool. It's the only player um, that I've ever had an interaction with on Twitter, not from NKU, um, other than Antoine Davis. But this was the first player that ever reached out to me um, directly, from, not from NKU. And really, it's the only player, NKU included, um, that I can think of at the moment that has reached out to me directly, unprovoked, like, without me DMing them first, right? That was a really cool feeling. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, wave the Bill Wampler banner as like his number one fan or anything. I just, 
I very much respect the fact that he was able to recognize uh, my appreciation for his game and what also he's done off the court. And he was able to say, you know what, this guy's a big NKU guy, but this is bigger than basketball, and I'm going to say thanks for this. That really meant a lot to me, and it immediately made me respect him a lot as a person and as a player. So, I, you know, I've kind of grown this, like, miniature admiration. Well, I shouldn't even say, hell, I'm not going to say miniature. I've I've developed this huge admiration for Bill as a person. Um, and also, you know, it's once you start appreciating someone as a person who happens to be a good basketball player as it is, you start to, even if they are from a, your biggest rival, you start to pr- appreciate and respect their game. And uh, Bill's a baller, man. He, he's really good. And when Wright State came to NKU and, and won that game and, and won the Horizon League outright, as hard as it was for me, I stuck around and uh, I waited for Bill to clear away from his family and friends and uh, even a couple fans that were left over from Wright State. And I, I grabbed him and I, I introduced myself because I had not ever actually ever met him. And I just I thanked him for a great season, um, for providing entertainment, even to my detriment. Um, but then also I congratulated him on a, on a championship and we sat and talked for not long, two minutes max. Um, but it was just a really good experience. And so adding on to that, after the game, I went down to, and this was on it completely unintentional, but I went down to sort of like the floor level, um, away from press row, but down on, on the floor more, kind of more by, uh, where NKU's pep band was going to be. Um, and I was talking to someone, I can't even remember who I was talking to, but I was talking to somebody, um, whether it was, oh, I'll tell you who it was. It was a Wright State photographer, a guy who photographs for Wright State um, sports named Joe Craven, same last name as me, no relation. And I was talking to him and then our women's team came out. And so I started talking to them and that's when I finally got to catch up with them and say uh, what a great season it was. And I was really sorry that they didn't win and it was heartbreaking and you know, I'm here for them and stuff like that. And I, as I was walking away with the women's team, you know, we said our goodbyes and good lucks and all that good stuff. And then I went back to where I was standing. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there looking at somebody, talking to somebody, looking at Twitter or something. I don't even know. And I got a tap on my shoulder and I look up and it's Bill Wampler. And he said, you know, I don't even remember exactly what our conversation was, but he, again, he, sought me out right I mean I happened to be standing in a spot where he was coming out from the locker room but regardless he tapped me on the shoulder he thanked me and said uh you know good luck to you guys and stuff like that and I was like almost speechless I was really really surprised I have not I'm telling you I've never been tapped on the shoulder by an NKU player even and I've developed actual relationships with some of them um, I've never been tapped on the shoulder by an NKU player and sought out by one of them. And this guy, who knows who knows that I write articles called Why I Hate Right State, tapped me on the shoulder and thanked me and wished me and my team good luck. And I can't say enough for my respect I can't say enough of my respect for Bill Wampler. And of course, and Craig Gentry was also standing there with him. And, you know, I introduced myself to him and we talked 
very again very briefly they just lost a very heartbreaking brutal game and you could just see the emotion in their eyes from the locker room um not knowing due to coronavirus that that would be their last game ever because they were going to go play in the nit but yeah i just i was i gained a profound respect for both of those guys which is really interesting because i just a week earlier not been craig gentry's biggest fan um i keep saying craig gentry i'm sorry i mean cole gentry so please don't be mad at me it's like i said it's 12 30 right now so um yeah i again not to spend too much time on that but i just i developed a huge huge appreciation i already had one for bill but i got one uh for craig for cole i almost did it again and i've actually heard really good things about loud and love as well that he's really good with their student media um I got a lot of, I, I won't say a lot of information, but I heard some really good things about him from some of the Wright State Guardian folks uh, who were at the game and ended up being only a couple of seats away from me So, on press row. So anyway, moving on from that to the NKU game, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I don't have a lot of stories, but NKU versus Green Bay, here were some things that I really found interesting. Our shooting wasn't great uh, most of the game. Uh, in fact, we were 3 of 17 from 3 at one point. And I remember tweeting out that we were 0-4 in games where we shot under 20% from the field, from, from three-point line because uh, of how many threes we shoot all, we shot all season. So that's, it's just such a key part of our game. And the fact that we uh, if we don't shoot well from three, we play terrible. And, of course, I'm saying we in this case as NKU because I'm back to being an NKU fan. Um, so, I, you know, that was crazy to me that we were – winning uh going back and forth in a game where we were shooting that poorly and then of course we finish out the game three of five from three to finish six of 22 which put us at actually 27.3 percent from three so we won that game and i found that incredibly interesting uh given the fact that we are in games that we shot uh 20 percent or less we were zero and four all right in games that we shot just 20% or higher. Let me see if I got this right. We were 23 and 5. That's crazy to me. 23 and 5 in games that we shot just 20% from 3 or higher. So that's the story of the season for NKU. I found that stat incredibly interesting that we just shot the crap out of the ball this year. I mean, we ended up being, uh, I'm looking at it right now uh, on the stats, 26th in three-point attempts on the season for all of Division One. Our three-point percentage was 310th out of 353 teams. I'm going to say that again. We shot 30.5% from three this year. That was 310th out of 353 teams. Yet, we attempted 848 three-pointers, which was good for 26th out of 353 teams. Guys, that's crazy to me. NKU wins the Horizon League, comes in second place regular season, wins the tournament. Shooting a percentage that only 43 teams in the country shot worse than from three, which is, by the way, 
what we staked our claim on this year was that we're going to shoot and play really good defense. Now that said, our opponents shot 29% from three this year, which was 16th in the country. So say what you want about our three-point shooting. Say what you want about our three-point percentage. Say what you want about the volume in which we take threes. Right? We defend the three-point line as well. That's crazy to me. We also had 259 steals on the year, which is 27th in the country as well. So falling a little bit down the rabbit hole here, but uh, that's uh, I don't want to kind of bore you guys too much with stats, but those are just some crazy, crazy stats. So you want to talk about what the, what the season meant for NKU. I don't care what anybody says. Our defense was so much better than people give us credit for because, you know, primarily for most of the game, in many games we are healthy, we had a 6-5 Dantes Walton play in our five uh, for a lot of the time. So, I, I, you know, look, those are things that I found really interesting. I also saw foul trouble, um, which it's funny. I felt like that was a storyline on Monday until Tuesday when I saw the fouls for NKU piling up in that game. Um, and it really wasn't much of a storyline. It ended up not being much of a storyline in the Green Bay game with the hindsight of the USC game the next day. So, But, you know, just for perspective, uh, Jalen Tate had four uh, in that USC game. Or, I'm sorry, in that Green Bay game. Um, Tyler had three. They both uh, had to come off the court at various times due to that. Dantes Walton actually only had one. Adrian only had one. Uh, Langdon had three, but that, you know, it didn't really affect him that much. Didn't cut into his minutes as being sort of more of like a six man type of player. So, and then one more, I had another story I wanted to tell real quick, um, from that game, Manny Patterson. Uh, I know that a lot of y'all saw my tweet. I thought it was sort of this like beautifully tragic moment with him. He, uh, was on the court. I, I saw him on the court long after the game. I mean, we're talking at least half an hour, maybe 45 minutes after the game had ended, still standing on the court, uh, just emotional, brutal. I mean, he wasn't crying or, you know, beside himself or anything like that. He just had this dead look on his face. Like, I can't even describe, I mean, just in his feels, you know, like in his thoughts, uh, it's all over, basically. Like, it was, I don't know, it was really sad. As someone who really has a heart for that sort of tragic storyline type stuff, it, it really made, it really kind of broke my heart a little bit to see that. And uh, it just goes to show you that this is more than a game for these guys. Um, you know, this is something that they put four or five, six sometimes years into, and uh, it can all end in just 40 minutes. And really in that Green Bay game, it was close most of the time. Green Bay had a halftime lead of thirty-nine to twenty-nine, or thirty to twenty-nine, I should say, uh, one-point halftime lead. So like it, it's not like NKU just came out and went gangbusters on them and beat the crap out of them from the from the jump. It was pretty close game most of the game until the end. So uh, that was pretty sad for me. But moving on, um, I don't want to talk about this one too much either, but. The UIC game was sort of the, the same thing with fouls. You actually you saw Jalen Tate. Uh, let me see if I got this right. I believe, yeah, Jalen Tate fouled out of that game. 
um, which was crazy. Like, he was tournament MVP. I'll talk about that here in a second. But he fouled out of that game. Walton had four. Sharp had four. Like, that was scary. I was looking at people near me in the stands saying, uh, if this goes to overtime, we are in trouble. And I I was saying we because I was sitting in front of the NKU fan section. But but I was still wearing my Horizon League um, neutral uh, shirt. So you can't pin it on me. In fact, there's a picture of me on uh, social media. Uh, I made it on the ESPN broadcast. And you can very clearly tell that I'm not wearing NKU stuff. So there you go. Um, anyway, we get through that. Uh, we get through that game. NKU wins the game. They actually lost the second half. They went into halftime down uh, up ten, but then they lost the second half by one point. Uh, but they had pretty pretty good control over the game for most of that second half. There were a few times where USC was getting close to them, but then NKU widened the gap again, um, and it ended with Jalen Tate. Going, uh, fouling out, of course, but going, having 14 points, uh, four assists, four total rebounds, a steal, um, six of 11 from the field, uh, following a performance the, pr- the previous night where he put up 23 points, uh, let's see, two steals, three assists, six rebounds, 10 of 15 from the line, six of 10 from the field, one of two from the three. So all of that was good enough to warrant Jalen Tate being the Horizon League, what is it, player of the tournament or whatever, the most outstanding player of the Horizon League tournament. So congrats to him. Uh, Tyler Sharp also made the first team as well from NKU. In fact, what got him there, I believe, was aside from his, he had a 16-point performance against UIC. But really, for me, what was most impressive was his 20-point performance against Green Bay, when he had previously combined in the first two games for only 10 points, he had six in the first matchup and four in the second. And uh, just goes to show we had a full t- squad show up against Green Bay that first night. And for the first time all year, uh, in my opinion, I-, I-, I tweeted out that really that was uh, probably the first complete game that I saw NKU play all year was that Green Bay game, that semifinal, and then the, the sharpest game, like the best game, no pun intended, was the UIC game the following night. So NKU really ended the season very, very hot, um, and that's kind of how, how it rolls. Derek Jeter, great shortstop for the New York Yankees, once said of the baseball playoffs, the best teams make the playoffs, but the hottest team wins the World Series. And that's kind of what we saw with this with this NKU team it wasn't so much that they were necessarily the best team or the hottest in my opinion right state was the best team all year i mean they went 15 and 3 in the league the only two of their three losses were uh one of their losses was against Youngstown State at Youngstown when Darius Quisenberry went for over 40 set the league record of the season like had the league high of the season against them and not many guys go for 40 you're going to win that game so and then the other two losses they had were Sunday travel games um, after a Friday travel game where they traveled further. So like the first t- the first loss was they had just beat U- uh, IUPUI on on a Friday, and then they drove four hours further away from where from Dayton to Chicago and lost to UIC. And then on the flip side, the same thing happened. Um, they won at Milwaukee on a Friday and then traveled, you know, a couple hours further from campus 
to get to Green Bay and uh, lost on a Sunday. So I thought that their 15-3 and record was pretty solid, pretty indicative of them being the best team in the, in the league. Um, but guess what? They didn't match up very well against UIC. UIC was super hot coming into that game. And so as Derek Jeter said, Wright State was probably the best team in the league. They made the playoffs, quote-unquote. But in this case, they made the Final Four. And uh, they ran into a hotter team. UIC was really hot and a good matchup, and they beat them. And then, of course, NKU, um, you look at how we finished the season, we were hot too. So, um, you know, of course we lost to Wright State, but that was really only by two. And uh, so it was just one of those things I think kind of fate was with us. Um, We only had, I'm looking at our schedule right now, after the Wright State loss, so our last nine games, we went seven and two. So, and then moving into the to the tournament, obviously we beat Green Bay, so that would put us at eight and two, and then USC nine and two. So, yeah, uh, it was a good finish to the season. You got to be satisfied with it, I think. Um, ultimately, disappointing the way it all finished out with regards to where the NCAA season went. But we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so that kind of wraps up the Horizon League tournament. But uh, I did want to talk about one more quick thing. Um, the when we'll talk about this probably on an episode upcoming of the Horizon League Roundtable or Horizon Roundtable, I should say. Um, but Steve McLean made it to the championship game, really, like as someone pointed out on Twitter, within 40 minutes of making it to the final. Or to the tournament, to the to his first tournament as a as a coach from my from what I understand, and he got fired. So personally, I don't mind the decision. I'm not a USC fan, so I don't really have a strong opinion on it. I just think that you know, for from let's put it this way, NKU has made three tournaments in the four eligible years we've been around. But even before then, when we were D two, we we're very successful at the D, at the D two ranks. We've seen uh, NCAA tournament runner ups. Um, we consistently were making the tournament on the, at the D two level. I have no problem with a team holding themselves to a high standard. I think this whole league should do that. I think this whole entire league should be out looking constantly for the next Dennis Gates, a guy that can come in, take a team that's supposed to be absolute dog crap and win seven games. Dennis Gates is a home run hire and he is going to be, and this is coming from someone who really likes Darren Horn and has a great respect for Scott Nagy really likes Greg Campy as well. Dennis Gates is going to be the best coach in this league. If he doesn't leave in the next three, four years, we're going to be looking at Cleveland state as one of the best teams in the league in the next three to four years. In my opinion, if Dennis Gates stays, sticks around. So that's what this league should be doing. This league used to be one of the perennial mid-major leagues in the country. I you know, I know I don't know if it ever should qual- should have qualified as a top 10 league, but back in the day, man, you had Butler going to NCAA championships and like two in a row, but then even prior to that, just making the tournament, doing well in the tournament, you had Milwaukee make a sweet 16 run. Like this is a tur- this is a league Green Bay has has been a dangerous team in the past. Uh this is a league that deserves I don't want to say it deserves respect because it really doesn't it, it's lost a lot of respect in the last few years and it's and that is deserved but this is a league that should demand respect or at least should hold itself 
accountable to getting that respect back. And so if you're UIC and you don't think that what McLean did with the talent that he had is good enough, absolutely kudos, fire him. But now, now you better get someone better. Okay. You better go out and find the next Dennis Gates. Do it because look, this league needs you to be good. I'm talking to you, Detroit. I'm talking to you, IUPUI. I'm talking to, hell, I'm talking to Milwaukee. I'm talking to all of you guys who finished, Oakland especially, all of you guys who finished lower in the conference this year. This league deserve, This league commands you to be better. We need you to be better. Um, NKU, I don't know how, much, how good we're going to be next year. Um, we're losing quite a bit. And so I, you know, I don't, and we're not really set on who all is coming in. Like we know some of them, but we don't know everybody. We still got a lot of offers out. So I don't know what next season's going to look like for us. Um, Wright State's losing Wampler uh, and Gentry. And uh, I don't know what that's going to look like for them either. And there's whispers of Nagy possibly going somewhere. So those are your two top dogs. Come for it. Come on. Go out, hire good coaches, get good recruits. And win some games. So that's the way I see it um, with the whole Steve McClain thing. But that sort of wraps up my, my again, that sort of wraps up my tournament experience on the court um, from what happened on the court action anyway. Um, I definitely want to move here into my fan experience. Um, so let's go ahead and move into that. All right. So I'm going to break this down from a fan perspective. So, and I'm also going to talk a little bit about what I would do if I could do it differently or what I, at least let's just say what I would suggest, um, what I would do differently if I was, if I was the, 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 well, actually, you know what, let's just do this first. I'm going to talk really quickly about the arena as a whole, uh, and then sort of just in general, the aesthetic, everything. So. The arena is kind of small. Coming from NKU, it you know if you're an Oakland fan and you go to this arena, it's bigger, right? It's, your Oakland seats four thousand. Uh, whatever, what's it called? Farmers Coliseum seats six thousand. Uh, but NKU seats ninety four hundred, right? State seats ten thousand four hundred, two hundred, whatever it is. So it, it's all about your perspective. Um, I felt like it was a small stadium, but I was kind of excited because I was thinking, you know. All right, small stadium, but that just means it can be filled up pretty easily. So I was expecting, I actually called this going into the game. I was really excited for it being in Indianapolis from an NKU perspective because I was like, I was thinking, okay, NKU fans are definitely going to turn out. It's only an hour and a half away. And then I saw the, the, the like times of the games. Seven o'clock tip off for the first semifinal game between Wright State and UIC. All right, whatever. 9.30 tip-off for the NKU Green Bay game on a Monday night. And so as soon as I saw that, I told myself, no NKU fans are going to come to this. You're going to get some carryover from the women's game, maybe, if their fans are still even in town. Um, and then you're going to see maybe some, like obviously the family of the players, and our both men's and women's actually our families really travel well so i knew we were going to get some 
from pull from there. And then I knew the diehards would show up. But I called about, I said about five to 800 NKU fans night one, if we are lucky. And, uh, I, I, you know, obviously we can't get a, a uh, official count on that. But there were 1,900 fans in total. I would say that my estimation was pretty accurate. There was not a lot of USC fans whatsoever. Um, there was actually a decent amount of Green Bay fans considering how far the drive was. But you got to remember their women's team also uh, was in the was in the women's side. So, um, but yeah, there was a good amount of Green Bay fans. I, you know, not a ton, but 100, 200 max. Wright State probably traveled the best, um, which you'd expect them having been the one seed and having a 7 o'clock tip and also being about the same distance from Indianapolis as NKU is. Um, I, I expected they would travel better. Um, and then we probably came in second with our travel. The total attendance was under 2,000, so less than one-third full um, for the arena. Uh and then the next night, uh, my prediction was that NKU fans would show out a lot in a lot greater numbers. I was right; they definitely did. Um, that said, it still was topped off at around two thousand people. There wasn't a lot of Wright State fans that I could see. Obviously, most of them packed up and went home. Um, there was some IUPUI carryover and Green Bay carryover from the championship on the women's side, but not a ton. Um, and then there were a few USC fans. I would, I mean, really not a ton, a hundred, 200 max. I mean, really not a lot. Um, but NKU fans really showed out the second night, but it still came in just under 2000. So again, not even 33% full. So venue wise, um, or at least timing and all that. I, look, I did not like the fact, I, I think if you're the horizon league, you have to pick one. You can't do these games at a neutral site and do them on a weeknight because, and I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to do the neutral site because you're trying to build this experience and you're trying to uh, bring people to a to a city and like the Horizon League um, headquarters is in Indianapolis. It's very obvious that they're making a big strong push for Indiana as a state to sort of be the epicenter of the Horizon League, um, having added both IUPUI or, or uh, I having added IUPUI um once they lost Butler uh and then um well and Valpo obviously and now they have Fort Wayne Purdue Fort Wayne coming in so the, that's obvious to me um but you just in my opinion you're not going to get fans to come to those games that are tipping at nine o'clock on a freaking Monday night. You're just not going to do it. And, you know, this tournament happens around spring break, but not necessarily on spring break. So if you catch, you know, a lot of a lot of NKU fans didn't come because their kids weren't on spring break and they weren't going to bring them up to a 9.30 tip on a school night. It just wasn't going to happen. You know what they would have done? They probably would have came up for a 9.30 tip on a Saturday night. So, look, I get it. You want to get that TV spot. You want to get ESPNU for the semi and then ESPN for the final. As someone who appeared on TV, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I get it. But if you're gonna do that, then take then go back to neutral to to home sites. Um, if that's if that's the play, if you want if you have to compete for TV time and you want to get that TV spot, keep it on Monday and Tuesday. I'm okay with that. But make it home sites. So Wright State should have hosted. 
uh, Wright State should have hosted UIC and NKU should have hosted Green Bay and then NKU should have hosted UIC. And if you have to put a, ga- a day in there in between for travel, then do it. That's fine. But that's just, again, that's my opinion. That's the way it should have gone. Or if you're going to go neutral site, then do it on a weekend and forego the national TV. If you don't make it on national TV, then you don't make it on national TV. Try to work out another deal. Screw ESPN. Don't work with ESPN. Get on Fox instead, right? Do something like that. Um, I don't know. That's just, get on CBS. I don't care. Do something else uh, other than, Stream it yourself. Make people pay. I don't, whatever. I mean, that's probably a really bad idea. But my point is, um, you can't have it both ways. You can't have people buy into the experience of the weekend when it's not even a full weekend, when it's not even really a weekend, first of all, and also have it on national TV. We're not a big enough, prominent enough conference with enough draw for people to prioritize us on the weekends for TV spots, but we're also never, we don't, there's not enough fan interest and there's too much other stuff going on for fans to just give up what they have going on on a Monday and Tuesday night, especially with school and spring break and all that to come out to these games. So that would be my call to pick one or the other. As far as the arena goes, look, it's okay. I mean, I, you know, I I didn't like the fact that it was on a fairground. I mean, I've walked into the arena and it smelled like cow shit um outside but once i got inside the arena i mean it was it was nice enough there was good the concession stands there was enough of them open that was good um the seating was okay it wasn't you know it's not bbnt where every single seat is cushioned we're spoiled um but it was you know it was solid I, i'll give it a i'll give it a solid b for that um location look i love indianapolis i thought it was a great experience from a location perspective um, it's centrally located in the, within the Horizon League. So if you're going to do it in Indy, do it in Indy every year. I'm okay with that. Just maybe figure out a way to make it on the weekend or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, that was great. Um, the pregame stuff was good. The, the lighting, sound, all that was good. Um, not great. I'm not going to give them great scores on anything, but I, I will say that everything was pretty just good. It was good. You know, it was not great, not terrible, not bad, not, you know, it was good. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I got on that. Uh, social media was popping. I loved that. We had a lot of fans from, uh, the NKU side, um, engaging on social media, um, people within the Horizon League were definitely engaging with Horizon Roundtable, um, and that was interesting as well, especially given that a lot of the people engaging were fans of, you know, Oakland or, um, you know, maybe another school that wasn't even in the tournament, um, or at least at that point not in the tournament. So that was interesting to see. Um, it kind of gave me hope that this league does have a good, solid base of fans that will turn out and engage. Um, so I, I really liked that. Um, let's see. I want to move on though and just talk about very briefly my experience with the tournament. Um, so personally, like how I experienced it, I thought it was awesome. I gave my, I, I took two days off from work. Um, I stuck around and stayed at an Airbnb in Indy 
the best, cutest Airbnb of all time. Um, I went to breakfast two nights or two days, two mornings in a row, went to the gym still made like a, basically a vacation out of it. Um, made a little mini vacation. It was, so, it was so much fun. It was such a great experience. Um, I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Indianapolis as a place. It's not anything too, too crazy. It's not like New York city where you're in the hustle and bustle and having to plan hours ahead just to make sure you're somewhere on time. Cause it's going to be so busy. It was Indianapolis. I mean, it was barely bigger than Cincinnati, so it wasn't too, too much to have to deal with. Um, and it was pretty cheap, too. I mean, my Airbnb, after cleaning fees and everything, only ended up costing me $127 for two nights. Had the whole place to myself. Um, that was great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I made a lot of good connections. I, I shook some hands with some Horizon League people. I uh, met some people from NKU, from Wright State, um, that I didn't know before. Um, I just, overall, I just had a really good time and, uh, I can't thank the Horizon League or Horizon Roundtable, I should say enough, um, for allowing me to be their credentialed journalist for this event. But I'll also have to say, I can't thank the Horizon League enough for allowing Horizon Roundtable to be a part of this. Um, it was such a great experience. I really hope that they'll allow us to be on or to be out there again next year. Um, it just, look, it sucked being neutral. I'll say that it, it absolutely sucked being neutral, especially given the fact that we won the thing that really just dug at me. That said, I would not trade the experience of being a credentialed journalist for the world. That was, um, it just meant a lot to me to, to be valued in that way. So, um, yeah, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who played a part in me being able to go to this thing. Um, it really meant a lot and I am just very much looking forward to doing it again. So that said, I want to wrap up this discussion with, uh, one final thought. Um, we're going to talk about this, I think on the next horizon Roundtable podcast. I don't know if that's going to come out before or after this horizon or horizon league tournament recap. So just kind of be on the lookout for that. Um, like I said, I'm recording this on Sunday morning. We're actually going to record that episode, uh, myself and John Parker. It was our selection Sunday episode that obviously we're not doing anymore, but we're going to talk about other stuff. So I don't know what exactly Bob has in mind for when these will post, but, um, we're going to talk about how crazy this season's been. I mean, I, as an NKU fan, I'm sitting here with a team that won the conference tournament that won't even get to compete in the NCAA. And I just, it blows my mind. It's unexpected. It's unprecedented. Um, something like this has never happened before, at least in my lifetime or even in the recent history with college basketball or really sports in general. Uh, this COVID-19 thing's crazy. The Cleveland state women's coach just got, uh, confirmed tested positive for COVID-19 that Cleveland state team was at the, the horizon league tournament. So now you have a lot of questions about who needs to get tested, who doesn't all that stuff. So we got some crazy stuff going on, man. Um, uh, it still really hasn't sunk in. I'm hoping that after I sleep tonight, I'll have had enough time to process everything going on to go onto the podcast tomorrow and be sharp on it. But, uh, ultimately, we're sitting with sitting here as an NKU fan. We're sitting here with a conference tournament championship and no, no NCAA tournament to play. And, uh, it's a very surreal feeling. 
But um, yeah, that's all I really got to say about that. But thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to listen to this. Uh, once again, thank you so much to the Horizon League um, for accepting our request to to be credentialed for this uh, for this tournament. Thank you to the Horizon Roundtable for sending me. Um, I will say this: if you don't have the opportunity, or if you do, if you have the opportunity to go next year. I strongly encourage you to go, whether you're a fan of a team that is in the tournament or not, take the time, go see it anyway. When I originally planned for this, I actually found my Airbnb and saved it. I didn't book it till later, but I saved the Airbnb. I actually requested this time off back in January because I knew that regardless of of if NKU was there, I wanted to be there because I thought it was going to be such a fun experience regardless of what teams were there. And I will tell you, um, Objectively speaking, it's really hard to be objective on this because, again, I was there witnessing NKU play, but I really genuinely think that if if I had been there and NKU hadn't been there, um, either men's or women's, that I still would have had a, a good time. Um, it's, it's a really good experience. It's a place where you get to meet fans of, of all walks walks of life and from all, from all over the league. And I really think that if we could all put forth an effort to drive our fan base out to this thing um, that we really could turn this into a, a fun yearly event. So kudos to the Horizon League on a, on a really good, solid tournament, and I'm really hoping that we can find ways to build on it for next year. With that said, thanks for listening. Check us out at horizonroundtable.com. Um, you can also follow the uh, the show at, at Horizon Roundtable on Twitter. Um, and then, of course, you can find me at Kyle Craven underscore NR. That's Kyle with a K, Craven with a C underscore NR. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Norse Report. Um, that's all one word, obviously. And then finally, of course, at NorseReport.com. Also be on the lookout. I'm going to be writing uh, up my thoughts in article form, um, similar to what I covered on this podcast. I'm going to be doing an article about it. And, uh, I'll probably link out this podcast to the article, um, or, or sorry, in the article, so you'll be able to follow it out that way. Um, we'll also have this podcast episode live um, on the norsereport.com website, um, and I will make sure that I also post an article, uh, the same article um, to Norse Report that I'm posting to Horizon Roundtable, um, linking out to Horizon Roundtable so they get the uh, hot link and all that. But anyway, you can find all this stuff on both those those uh, those sites. So thanks again, guys. Have a blessed, blessed week. Have a good time. Two step, then cowboy.